You're listening to Borderline Idealists. Join us every other Sunday for new episodes where we focus on anxiety, depression, and BPD. Log on to BorderlineIdealist.com for past episodes, blog posts, and our Patreon link to support us. Together, we can give a voice to those who suffer from mental illness and tear down mental health stigma. Okay, stay with me. So, I received a couple of messages from you guys about the last episode that we put out and um, about dissociation. Because sometimes I was saying disassociation. (laughs) But I think I was thinking of dissociative. But then after uh, trying to look this up and, and... get it right so dis- dissociation is a mental process of disconnecting from one's thoughts feelings memories or sense of identity okay um the dissociative disorders that need professional treatment include dissociative amnesia there's dissociative um i'm sorry depersonalization disorder and dissociative identity disorder Um, And most mental health professionals believe that the underlying cause of dissociation disorders is chronic trauma in childhood. So it's dissociation and dissociative um, disorders. Um, But I think I was getting confused because disassociation means the same thing as dissociate dis, <laughs> dissociate dissociate and disassociation both mean to separate from and it says that disassociation is used more in the US but they mean the same thing but i believe the the medical terms are dissociation and dissociative uh, so that's what I got. So if I say dissociation, I, I really mean dissociation. Or I could mean disassociation. But if dissociation helps you, then then think of that. Alright, on to our show. If you're a longtime listener of the show or someone that cares about mental health outreach, we need your support. Right now, donate $5 and receive $5 free if you're a first-time user of the Cash App. Our handle is Molina Young. Cash App is a preferred method of receiving donations since it lets us keep 100% of what you send us without the outrageous transaction fees. For detailed directions, visit borderlineidealist.com forward slash give and get. Thanks, Chris. We've also started offering one-on-one peer support and DBT training. The first session is free and only $40 a month with up to four sessions per month and open access to us via email. Our consulting service is not just for mental health either. If you're interested in podcasting yourself, we can assist you in getting your podcasts off the ground, finding your niche, podcast management, and mentorship. Interested in being a mental health advocate? 
we are offering internships like social media marketing for the podcast. For more info on all of these topics we've mentioned, please go to borderlineidealist.com. And thanks once again. Hola. Konnichiwa. Okay. Salut. And hello. (laughs) Welcome back to Borderline Idealist, guys. This is AJ. Hi, this is Chris. And we have an exciting topic here. Uh, We're going to talk about complex PTSD. Oof. This seems like a heavy topic. Yeah, it's it's something that I've been dealing with. um, Looking more into my... My childhood trauma, and I learned that PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, is when there is a certain event that happens to you, one event that happens to you, and then you suffer um, from flashbacks um, or or negative side effects from that. Mm -hmm. And then complex PTSD is... um, for people that have uh, had tra- yeah, reoccurring trauma, trauma that that's happened over and over and over again. Um, so like a emotional trauma. Um, and of course, this is actually something that is very prevalent in the BPD community. But I'm just now learning about it. <laughs> I think, um, I think like almost last year is when I started wondering. Wait, do I have PTSD? I really feel like no, we don't know this for certain. Like you haven't been nope. diagnosed. I am diagnosed. I am diagnosed. I am self diagnosed. Counts. I am self diagnosed. I went to the self diagnosed university. Okay, of me. <laughs> you went to YouTube University. <laughs> um, well, I guess I just kind of recognize some of the symptoms of yeah. of PTSD. And then looking up childhood trauma, it talks about complex trauma. Um, and this really happens in family dynamics when uh, there are sensitive children involved, highly sensitive children involved. That's me. And... Another thing was... Well, uh, I'm sorry. Before we continue, like, how did you come up, come to this realization? Do you want to talk about that? On what? The... PTSD, um, and, um, the, the childhood trauma. Um, I think, oh, I think, yeah, I kind of already talked about that, um... The last episode, I think oh, Chris okay. sort of uh, just thinking about my my parents and the things, the negative things that my dad has said mm-hmm. to me over and okay. over and over again. And okay, so make sure um, to go listen to the previous episodes of it. Yeah, I mean it was yeah verbal uh, <clears throat> trauma, some physical, yes, yeah, um, um, getting hit, being told that kind of stuff. So yeah, um, it says that you know you will be affected differently as, you know, some of your other siblings as a um, highly sensitive child. And so, um, like I was saying before, one thing that I was always wonder- wondering about is why um, my symptoms, my my siblings were affected so differently from me. For mm-hmm. me, it's sort of, um, it's always been really hard for me to 
um, even like talk to my parents, you know, even think about, you know, forgiving them or what happened. And I think it's not just from me. I think that I get angry that my siblings are just like, well, you know, I try to talk to them about it. And this is just the way that they are. They don't want to listen to me. So I'm still going to stay around them and talk to them and, you know, let them drive me crazy because, you know, they're my parents. Um, and I, I guess, you know, a few weeks ago, I was just wondering to myself, you know, when you have a trauma and you're, you know, the person that traumatized you is there, you usually don't want to be around that person too much. Um, so I, I guess I just challenged myself to not be around those people just because I felt like I had to. And when I did that, I actually realized that I had um, a very negative, very loud negative voice that was my, my father's voice that would say a lot of um, hurtful things to myself. And when I stopped, uh, you know, giving my, my parents attention, I was able to, you know, fo uh, focus on yourself. Yeah, I was able to point out that, that voice and um, kind of uh, attack it back and, and challenge things back. Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, that's the good that came out of there. I'm still, you know, dealing with it. Um, but, um, you know, getting diagnosed with complex PTSD is something that I'm interested in. It says that a lot of, um, from the things that I've read, it said that uh, people that have complex PTSD are usually um, overdiagnosed um, or even underdiagnosed or diagnosed with the wrong thing. Um, and that's why I just, I feel like it, there's something more to this than just BPD, which, you know, I kind of want to be like, eh, well, maybe I should just stop there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, let's add on some more letters, you know, but, you know, at least it just feels like the, the closer to, you know, my own truth and, and how to, you know, survive and get through um, this life. Um, so if I can just find out more about myself, and why this happened, um, then I can work on it. So, yes, this is something that comes from children that are highly sensitive and usually internalize a lot of those um, negative things that happen to them or that they see. Uh, usually, instead of, you know, taking it out on other people, they usually uh, withdraw and... Um, it says here in this, um, this article we have here on, um, psychology today, um, but as children, you have few options. Even when your parents were abusive, you could not leave. Instead, you, uh, in, so instead of physically exiting, you psychologically withdrew. This is called disassociation. Like the circuit breaker in your electric system, disassociation is hardwired into us to protect us. Mm. Oh, isn't that fun? But there's a special type of disassociation that I was excited to um, find out about because I had always um, had always kind of looked for 
um, an answer to, I guess, why I was thinking a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, it says here, when complex trauma afflicts your highly sensitive psyche, you may suffer from a form of dissociation known as structural disassociation. This is also a core part of BPD. I don't think I've heard about this, mm-hmm. a part of BPD. Um, but it uh, continues, structural dissociation is a split in your personality. It does not mean that you have psychosis or suffer from schizophrenia. In structural disassociation, you are conscious of who you are, but you feel completely different from moment to moment on the inside. This split started as a coping strategy for overwhelming experiences with stressful events such as parents, arguments, physical violence, verbal abuse, or prolonged neglect happened. You had no choice but to cut off. Because of your because you are highly sensitive, you may have not have internalized your pain, but instead withdrew and internalized your anger. You may even direct your anger towards yourself, turning it into self-blame and shame. Hmm. I was... I was gonna mention... I was thinking when we were talking about this before, I was thinking if this was similar to what my psychologist um, was talking to me about me shutting down whenever, you know, there's like an argument setting or if if I feel like I'm being um talked down to Mm -hmm. or you know reprimanded or something like that confrontation yeah you like being right so yes somebody's trying to tell you you're wrong you're like like, excuse excuse me me? shutting it down (laughs) (laughs) no but it's at the end the ending of that uh last phrasing that you mentioned is it's a little bit different than what i'm dealing with i think it's not the same um as far as what it all encompasses because for me it's like it doesn't really seem like a split in my personality Mm -hmm. it i I don't know if that's if it would be described like that you know because for me it's like i just i do shut down it like i tend to be quiet and maybe just non-responsive that's not my normal personality but I don't hmm. think it's similar to what you experience, you know, what, when you have those type things. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to talk about the two parts um, that they talked about. There's um, what they call it ANP, which stands for Apparently Normal Part. Mm-hmm. And then, um, what's that other one? The Traumatic Part. Uh, so the Apparently Normal Part navigates daily life with n- little to no emotions you might feel empty or numb. In this mode, you might not recall your painful past at all, or you remember but feel as though it happened to someone else. While the apparently normal part gets on with life, the traumatic part holds on to traumatic memories. It sometimes bursts through and catches you off guard. Your traumatic, your tra- traumatized part reacts in situations with fight, flight, or freeze. Your traumatic part reacts disproportionately to situations 
and sees danger, criticisms, and abandonment everywhere. Mm. Um, and it says that your traumatized part is, is frozen in time and the trauma likely from when you were a child. Um, while in an adult body, you're reliving, our, um, you're reliving your childhood loneliness, fear, despair, despair over and over again. Um, and I just thought that was, that was interesting because I always felt like there were two different parts of me. And I even remember la um, last time I was talking to my, um, when I was going for DBT, I was talking to my psychologist that, um, she was an expert in, in borderline personality disorder. And I would, I remember telling her that I felt like I had two different people within me you know one that did my everyday things or like you know I just like you know when I go to work I just kind of become this person and it didn't feel right because I I don't know it just it felt uh suffocating and it didn't feel right and my psychologist at the time was just like oh that's normal you know everybody has mask you know why don't, why don't you think that's normal everybody does that she had she did not tell me about this and that's what mm. and that's what i'm kind of shocked about because this is exactly what what that we was for, describe, for me yeah. To describe. yeah and I, I wish she would have said you know something about complex ptsd or Maybe something she hadn't seen come across it. which is which is startling because she was somebody who got the special certification for dbt to treat people with bpd so that's why it says you can be overdiagnosed or underdiagnosed or they can just completely not see it because people with complex ptsd um they usually feel like their scars are more um, invisible. I guess they, they kind of are. They're more of those uh, emotional scars. And so we tend to feel like we should not be complaining compared to somebody who went through um, more terrible like physical abuse or um, sexual abuse. or um, That's how I always felt you know i it it feels i mean it's still valid pain but it also it feels like it's uh it's not as serious when mm -hmm. it is something that you're living every day and i was talking about how you know i have um dreams and you know also just hear my dad's voice so it, it's it's every day that sounds very similar to um how people have expressed the um what is that word um when they feel like uh, i'm thinking about military people where they feel that they're what they're going through their ptsd um it's not as bad or oh, what is that word where they feel like oh you know my 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 fellow soldiers or or friends died in the field and and i'm still alive um survivor's guilt yes is that is that what you're i was like you know google is there okay yeah it, it kind of sounds like survivor's guilt mm -hmm. you know in a way you're like you're you're saying what i went through what i went through what i experienced is not as bad as the ne the person who was right next to me you know yeah and you know, also just because, I mean, just it being physical, just carrying around emotional things, um, 
it just feels it, it's something that you can't see. It's almost just like having, you know, BPD. That's always um, even harder. Yeah, and those, so it's the traumatic part of you that sees the danger and criticism and abandonment everywhere, and then the apparently normal part that is kind of your facade that you use during your everyday life, and um, it may feel like sad or, or empty, um, and even since like um, yeah, they that apparently normal part may remember little or hardly feels or has hunger or desires or sadness, um, mm. and and is an efficient worker. So it just makes so much sense to me because I feel like you know when I was working, I really did feel like I was somebody else, and I felt like underneath there was uh, a lot of emotional pain that maybe I could see like when I went home, but it's sort of like. Um, what I've been doing growing up, just finding a way to kind of like put it away so I can put on a the facade. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, oh, go on, Chris. Well, I was going to say, and it, uh, I think maybe that's uh, similar to how the therapist maybe have may confused it with put uh, having a mask for, you know, or putting a mask or having slight personality differences like within our social different social environments because i i do do that we've talked about how we do act a little bit different whether we're in front of friends family strangers or work setting right but it's it you're talking about something more in depth and more as you described it something that was uh i had deeply seated yeah i think the Actually, the the symptoms, the signs of structural um, disassociation, kind of a uh, kind of kind of show you the how it it may be a little different than just putting on a mask. Mm-hmm. So it says that with uh, you you may suffer from partial um, amnesia. amnesia. <laughs> I'm like, oh, why does that look like a Pokemon's name for me? <laughs> amnesia. <laughs> Uh, that amnesia. is the Pokemon move. Oh, I really? Okay. I think so. Yeah. Yes. Right. Okay. Anyway, so even it says even though that we know um, that something happened, we didn't feel like it was real. We lost parts of our memory, and so our story of the past does not make sense. Mm. Uh, feeling empty or numb, uh, you might feel internally vacant, or you're not able to connect with others or or the people around you um, because you're disassociating and um i think that's how i that's how i always felt i felt like the 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 person i was pretending to be at work and stuff was really good at connecting with people and stuff but then after i went home that that's it you know that person has turned off and it's only for one place um disembodiment so we detach from our physical bodies we become like a working machine that does not know when it's tired, hungry, thirsty, lonely, or sad. Because of this, we neglect self-care. Eventually, we get burned out at work or in life. And this is something that I remember telling my psychologist about, actually, when we were talking about this. I don't know if you remember, too. I said, not only like a mask, but I feel like I'm floating over myself. And like, it's, I'm just, just, just somebody, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I just kind of, like, just kind of leave myself. And... Uh, lack of motivation and stamina. This is something that I suffer from and is very uh, 
it's uh gets on my nerves it gets on my nerves because i don't i i, I want to do crap um but your lack of motivation um the the healthy parts of us might be motivated and positive when we set a goal but when the traumatized part takes over we lose the mental ability to take action because our various parts have different motives psychology and mental capacity we may find ourselves procrastinating even if it is something we genuinely want to do man if that's not my life i mean that's how i feel about the podcast sometimes especially even like starting the podcast chris you know like you know i when i begin a project usually when i begin a project i'm motivated i'm positive i'm like okay i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this no one's gonna tell me anything i'm gonna do this and then you know it just kind of like sneaks up on me. The traumatized part takes over and just says, what were you thinking? You can't do that. And that's why I feel, um, I feel very dependent on other people for completing projects because, um, it's almost, um, it's very melancholy when I'm, when I start a project, when I start a project, I know it's going to get to a point where I'm just going to quit because I'm not going to have anything to, um, help me stand up. And, um, as I right now, you know, we're looking for a good psychologist for me so I can work on my trauma so that I can be independent and hopefully, you know, do the things that I, I want to do. But it's, it's very, that, that's also something I, I guess I, um, makes me kind of angry. I want my parents to understand, like it, uh. My, my lack of motivation and stamina. So, I, you know, I wasn't lazy. I just, I'm so sorry. You know, I wasn't lazy. I did want to. You know, I did. I did. You know, it just, it just feels, I don't know. I guess it just feels unfair because it just, it, it just feels like, well, it's kind of sort of your fault that you're making me feel this way, but I don't want to feel this way. I, I would rather do this, but I'm fighting against all this crap. And so it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's very, um, it's very lonely and oh well, well I was gonna say it's I, <clears throat> I can understand that feeling of you wanting to get that label off of you because you feel like you know you've been labeled that as being lazy and not wanting to do anything or you're just not trying you know and that can be a very yeah when you it gets when you put that when that label gets put on you like you carry it with you you know even if you you don't want to and especially when you when you set out goals for yourself and then because of these other things you're not able to reach them then that label keeps coming back to you and it only adds to the the load that you have to carry cool. so i think you want to be understood and you want to say you want people to understand that that i feel like it's like you want people to understand that it's not because you were weak or lazy. It is that, uh, and in turn, it actually highlights how strong you've been by I mean, I've been fighting an up, through it. uphill battle. Like every time right. I get, you know, halfway up the mountain, then comes all the memories of the times that I was told not to go up that mountain. And then, I mean, even still, like I'm... I'm still trying to figure out what I want to go back to school for and, 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 you know, I'm just, I, it's, it's scary and exciting because I just want, I, I want to do things for myself and not be influenced by my parents, but then, you know, I still, 
I don't know. It's kind of hard to separate myself from... that. I guess that's why I'm not talking to them. Um, because it's kind of hard to separate my aspirations from, from theirs, you know? And and what I can... What I want to do and, and what I what they want me to do. I think that's one of the, in general, hardest steps to do as an adult. You know, as you're growing up and forming your own identity and what you want to do or who you are. Um, because we've been so attached to our parents growing up. I mean, at least 18 years for most of us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to... And I think socially as well, we haven't really been able to... For parents and children to make that transition where you're like... You you know, we're, we're your parents and we're helping you grow. But you are your own independence person. Mm-hmm. And you have your own dreams and ideas. And so we're not going to try to put our dreams onto you (laughs) you know i i we're not we're not parents i'm not a parent so i couldn't imagine everything that goes on you know i'm sure you want your best for your kid and then for them to just be happy and do well in life Mm, that's what they say most parents want that they don't want them to be happy Mm -hmm. but then i've heard no i don't want you to be happy i want you to be strong but then you know (laughs) attached with that it's like okay well how is he going to be happy by making sure he has money how's he going to have money by making sure he has a good education you know, so it, it, inadvertently, you kind of put those things into place and be like, you have to do this and this and this and this, then you'll be happy, then you'll have money, then you won't have well, to I worry think, about anything. I think it's because parents tend to think that kids don't know what they're talking about. Kids don't know, you know, you know, uh, what they what they like or what they want to do or, um, you know, if, if your kid is doing bad and in school, it's because they're just not trying hard enough because it's not because they're being bullied or because of something else. It's because you're not staying up with them and, and working harder. You're not. And it's, I think it becomes what, what seems like to me is that parents don't. Um, I, I think I think, you know, children do try out a lot of different things, but. I think it, it it's so much better to let somebody do the things that they are naturally motivated to do you know because if you say okay you you like doing this you're doing this um i I think i think the good grades and all that stuff will will come along if you're doing it's it's really it's really odd because we say that when people grow up right when you grow up you know you know you should find something that you're passionate about doing listen to your 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 stuff you know but you know, when you're a kid, it's just like, nope, just listen to me. You don't know what you're talking about, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, at least that, that's what I always felt like. I always felt like if my parents had just said, you know, I, I mean, it's not like I didn't tell them certain things, um, but it's just like if, if they had just listened, I guess, then I think I, you know, and I guess that's why I get so angry. I feel like I would have been different because I, I did want to do certain things, you know? I did. I, I wanted to do artistic things, and that was not good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a scientific thing. So I was like, no. And so now it's really hard for me to do anything artistic because I already feel like I'm really bad at it anyway. And and I just, you know, I'm not supposed to, so. I think sometimes, too, is that parents don't see a way for for their child to make a living off of it, you know? Like with art, especially. They're like, oh, how are you going to make a living taking photos? Or, you know, drawing. <laughs> you can't make a living yeah, out of that. Yeah, they, they don't believe into them until, you know, like like my parents now. You know, when when they 
when I started going to school for creative writing and writing and stuff, now they're like, oh my god, you can write so fun, you know, don't they say that now? Oh, you need to write some, oh, you're gonna, oh, you're gonna get awards and blah, blah, and now I, it's just so scary to do it because I'm just like, but all that time that I tried to write and try to get you guys to read my poetry and, 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 and nobody cared. It, it took you all this time until I went to college to say, oh, wow, you, where, you know, where'd you get that from? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it was always there. And now it's just even hard for me to even put it out there because I don't want to be critiqued because of what happened when I was younger, you know? So it's just, oh, my God. Ugh, it's just, but I think, you know, I was talking to my sister sort of about our parents and stuff. And it just, it seems like my my siblings just have different ways of thinking about it and dealing with it. And they feel like it's, you know, sort of like just better to just be with the family and just, you know, just kind of roll your eyes and, and put up with it. But I feel like, you know, like it says, because I was so highly sensitive, I see it very differently. It it well, hurts every, it hurts every day of my life and it hurts every time I talk to them or I want to talk to them about it or you know I you know just just it it, it hurts and I just I I just felt like I need to do something different than what my my siblings are doing you know I can't keep putting myself in those situations and and mm-hmm. and feeling like that it just does not just, I don't understand why I would do that to myself well, people are different. You know, you experience things differently. Well, that's why I just said yeah. I'm highly sensitive. Not yeah. all my siblings are. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That's, and, and I'm just saying, <laughs> yes. your 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 way of dealing with things is just as valid as anybody else's. Mm-hmm. You know, people have to do what's right for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's the different sensitivity levels and, and what you want to deal with. Um, so I just wanted to go on with the... Counter dependency. These are the what were these the the signs the signs, the signs of structural, structural. yeah. So the, um has the counter dependency and isolation. Um, so um, we develop self sufficient armor and feel unable to trust or be dependent on anyone. We put up a wall and avoid being known by others. Uh, so the mm. the inner critic, which um something I was just kind of talking about, um, our inner critic voice always started out as a protective mechanism. It believes that by criticizing us harshly, it will prevent us from venturing out for love and opportunity, so we will not be let down. This is, in the long run, a dysfunctional strategy and keeps us stuck. Yeah, mm. really, really odd. I just, I, I, I don't know, I, I never really... Um, well, this, this other part, it talks about the, the wise, healthy part. Mm-hmm. Um, I always felt like I had a wise, healthy part inside of me. Um, and I, I guess I, I kind of felt, um, I didn't really notice the, the negative voice too much, you know, oh, I'm stupid. Oh, you're dumb. Why would you do that? You know, it was just, I didn't really notice that. I was just like, no, I'm not. It's okay. You know, <laughs> but it, it's good to shut that off. So the wise, healthy part. So apparently, oh, I'm sorry. I'll read this. <laughs> okay. Apart from apparently normal part in the traumatized traumatized part there is another essential part of us our wise part no matter how traumatized we are our inner drive driving force towards wholeness and whole and health does not cease completely so when we are being self-critical our wise part whispers in our ear telling us we are worthy of love and and that's exactly how you've described a lot of your internal monologue situations Mm -hmm. 
It absorbs wisdom from the loved ones, teachers, resources, then acts as our inner guiding light. Even when chaos surrounds our wise part, it, it continues to nudge us forward. It is the part of us that helps us go to therapy, reach out to friends, and seek out support. It is the part of us that reads poetry, makes a painting, sings a song, and to express our unspoken, unspeakable pain. Or maybe you listen to that song. <laughs> it is the part of us that honors our authenticity and tells us to be honest with our own feelings. Um, in work towards in integration, we must find and reinforce this part, the healthy part. Uh, healing, is, healing is to bring all the elements of ourselves. After years of feeling empty, we can no longer tolerate a dis disintegrated life. Disintegrated. Disintegrated life. Disintegrated. Oh my gosh. So, um, yeah, resilience is being able to tell the past from the present so we are not just reliving the trauma again and again. And I think that's what my my wise part is. It always reminds me of my resilience that, you know, I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like actively talk to myself and almost I have a name for my um my wise part and I I've always like talked to myself um probably since middle school uh challenging the um the the uh the negative, negative voice inside um yeah it would so yeah when the negative voice would say something it would say something um I guess it was more of the op op optimistic. So I have like a pessimistic and then optimistic, you know, you're dumb, you're whatever. No, that's not true. <laughs> I just, um, I think I told you about that, Chris. I remember um, I, I had an online boyfriend when I was like in middle school, like, in, like oh, sixth gosh, or seventh yes. grade. And um, one day he just like got online and he um, said, oh, I'm breaking up with you. You're ugly. And I was just like, I was so depressed. And so I just like went downstairs in the mirror and I was like looking at myself like, am I ugly? And I could hear like my, my wise part being like, no, no, you're not. I'll tell you if you're ugly, you're, you're not ugly. Okay. That, that guy's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he must've gone, I tell you. It's like he must've gone straight or something. Mm -hmm. No, it just, it felt like really authentic and then it was yeah. funny and then it was comforting and it was, it was things that I couldn't talk to my parents about, you know, being gay or breaking up with an online boyfriend, they would have been like, oh, online boyfriend? Disconnect that computer. <laughs> you know, um, but it was, it was a lot because it was, it was reassuring because I was, I went from feeling like, oh my gosh, this person told me this to, wait a minute, I don't have to listen to that person. <laughs> Even if mm -hmm. I am ugly, so what? I just got to work harder. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I just, that was, um, I really do feel like my wise part was the one that told me to go to therapy and reach out to friends and do that because um, I, I guess that's kind of the, well, I mean, like I said, it's kind of the part that absorbs things from teachers and, and people that you love and and things that you know about yourself, you know, that you, I think that we all know deep down inside that the things that we're telling ourselves are not true. That's what I took it as. Like the the things that I'm telling myself are not true. It's coming from somewhere. I just needed to shut it off. But you know, um, I think you know, Chris, you said that you don't really have that kind of voice where you kind of like talk to yourself. And I, 
I can't really imagine not having my life <laughs> with me talking to myself. Like, it's, ha- it's helped me through, like, so many things. Whenever I was depressed, I mean, sometimes I, I used to, like, just joke joke with myself and I, you know, we'd just be laughing and have a conversation. I'm like, oh, look, <laughs> this is normal, right? <laughs> I remember going, the first time I, I went to a psychologist in college, um, my first psychologist told, um, that told me I had BPD, I told him, like, I will talk to myself and talk back, and I heard that that's bad, that's insanity. It, like, people would be like, you can talk to yourself, but just don't talk back, just don't respond. <laughs> Maybe I'll respond. And, and I was just like, am I, like, schizophrenic or something? Like, I don't think it's, you know, it's nothing bad. It never tells me to do bad things, like kill people or anything. If anything, it tells me, hey, don't do that. <laughs> and he was like, no, I just think that you just have a... Um, it's, it's probably a coping mechanism. It's just a different way of thinking about situations and problem solving. Mm-hmm. And that's what I understood it as. But I was really... Um, I've always been very thankful that I have that that part of myself because I feel... I feel like that saved me. I guess I saved myself or, you know, some some love from from everyone around me, you know, I, I held on and you know, it's just it's just good to know that I am that resilient and I know that that stuff isn't true and can kind of work towards changing it. You know, I remember as I was hearing you talk just a minute ago, I I I feel like I remember actually talking to myself when I was younger, when I was a kid. The imaginary friend? No, just like having positive talk mm. with myself. Um, I don't do that anymore. I don't. I, don't I, I was sitting here trying to remember how did I get over my depression uh, when I was living by myself a couple of years back. Like, I don't remember talking to myself or, you know, doing positive talk or... Asking myself how, why or how I was feeling. I just kind of felt all the emotions. Like, you know, I would put on music mm-hmm. and then just drown my, myself in music. And drown myself in in crying sometimes. You know, in just my sorrow. Aww. And then... And so I would do that for days on end. And then, I, and then it just kind of like a storm. It just passed on. And then it wasn't like I stopped crying when I was listening to the music or... My music started changing in my selection. And then over time, I was just like, okay. <sighs> I would like give a big sigh. I'm like, okay, well, guess it's time to move on. <laughs> <laughs> but and even then, I wouldn't like voice it out. I would just like, I don't know. I can't even describe it. It's so weird thinking. Of, it's so weird hearing other people talking about their internal monologue and or their positive self-talk and I'm like how the heck do I do it like I need to be more mindful more <laughs> pay more attention to what's going on in my head I don't know we all at those times we all have coping mechanisms but I was um I liked it when it said that um the the wise voice is a part of us that reads poetry um makes a painting and sings songs to express our unspeakable pain because mm-hmm. I mean that's that's how I feel. I mean, I I feel like, especially just always when I was younger, just singing to myself, um, kind of doing your little dance. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. singing to myself and, um, I guess making noise was sort of like making noise over, 
you know, if my parents were screaming or if I, if I was thinking about something really negative or something or, you know, I could kind of just sing something about it and I would feel better. So, yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy that I was able to absorb some, some wisdom. Um, and, you know, I guess making all these, living with all these, these different personality parts of me, um, disassociating and the trauma there's a there's a lot to still unpack and so that's why i i hope i can really talk to somebody now that i have a little bit more knowledge about myself and i can kind of point them in more of a direction because you know apparently that's what you got to do you got to do the research for yourself otherwise (laughs) nobody you know the lady that is trained in bpd-ness I mean, that that's where she got her degree. That's the, Chris, that's where she, she would, I mean, how am I just, how am I discovering this now for, anyway? Man, I hope this helps you well, guys. I hope m- that. Maybe you would have discovered it, you know, if in like another two month sessions or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, I hope this helps you guys if you have heard about it um, before or if, or if you haven't. Um, I hope you learned something. Um I'm really happy to share that with you because I've always wondered about my um, my wise voice mind person and um, how I coped that way. So I it would be really interesting to hear how how other people hear that voice and how other people cope. Yeah, it's it's um. Unfortunately, it's kind of like, you kind of have to advocate a lot for yourself, you know, with these sort of things, especially with, because there's so much that goes on with um, our mental health, Mm -hmm. and there's so many variables that play into it. Um, I think you're you're doing such a great service to yourself and, um, and continuing to learn and, you know, be inquisitive about what you're going through and all that because i think in the long run it it's definitely helped you has helped you gotten to where you are now and i think it's going to continue helping you moving forward as we you know get new doctors and the right doctors for you um so i i definitely recommend that for everyone you know who's struggling don't just give up and be like well you know i'm fucked up or or you, I don't know what's what's going on, and then, you know, don't seek to learn more about it, and kind of it, it's it's good because you understand a little bit better, you understand yourself a little bit better, but then you can advocate for yourself as well. So if a doctor says, "Oh, well, I think it's this," and then you can say, "Well, I, I'm not sure because, you know, this is what I'm experiencing." You can learn new language to talk about, like you know. Um the when especially when you're speaking with a therapist you know and you're talking about your normal parts or complex trauma and what you've learned about it then you can have a conversation with a therapist and and what they're familiar with you know um sometimes even if just doing that small research can have an impact on the relationship that you have or the 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 
conversations that you have with your therapist. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's always important to do your own research and and try to find out a little bit more. Because I, yeah, I, I, I'm really disappointed that you know I saw the therapist two more times after that and still describing the same symptoms. So it's just, it is interesting that I had not heard about that. Maybe maybe she did say something. I just didn't write it down. But it would have been nice to, you know, get to that. Uh, get to that. But it is good to know that now. And I hope you guys can take it and and maybe help. Um, maybe can help you. You can look up a little bit more about your normal part and your traumatized part. Um, but that's our show. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. Remember to follow us on Instagram. Um, or Facebook. Or Facebook. Yeah, we have Facebook. And I guess that's that's it. You have anything else, Chris? Thank you for listening and for um, keeping up with us during this these times. It's 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 been um, hard, but we're doing our best to to stick around and to keep moving forward. So thank you for your patience with that. Yes, thank you guys so much for all the support and um, look forward to our next episode. So take care. Bye.